Bibles to Luke, the 15th chapter. We're going to read verses 17 through 24. Luke 15, verses 17 through 24. I pray that all has been well in everyone's life uh, this past week, and everybody is still following their precautions. I know a lot of churches are meeting uh, now, but we're still prayerful, and we're waiting uh, to, to hear the word from God and to give us the, the, the okay and the unction to be here uh, at the church. But nevertheless, we're going to move on in our Zoom meetings. These are, I think a lot of us are, have gotten used to this, and we're very comfortable in this. So Luke 15, verses 17 through 24, I want to pull from this text that everyone knows about, just a thought that God shared with me. It says, and when he came to himself, you know we're talking about the prodigal, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perished with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now, from the thought last week, we talked about God's strategy in tragedy. We want to continue with that topic and use for a subtopic, understanding who you were born to be. Understanding who you were born to be. That is very relevant and very powerful if we've all considered that as we have believers have come to church, go to church, hear the word of God preached, we hear the songs sung, but we need to understand who we were born to be out of all of that. That's ministry to you. That's the voice of God to you. That's the fellowship among the saints to you so that you would be able to come to yourself and identify yourself with who God has named and called you to be. We understand and see in the text that as, as the son had come to himself and he was coming home from a great distance, his father saw him, recognized him, although he wasn't dressed like his son, although he didn't look like his son when he left, he still recognized that that was his son. And all the things that his son was saying to him, I want you to understand that the grace of his father, the mercy and the compassion of his father, as though he ignored everything his son was saying and requesting himself to be, as because he has sinned against God, he sinned against heaven, he, he left his father and he was coming back under the conviction that he was uh, shameful even to be named a son. But his father ignored all of his requests and began showering him with blessing. Isn't that just like God? That whenever you come to yourself, God is showering you with blessings and he is positioning you where he wants you to be. He wants you to understand who you were born to be. And we can no longer live comfortably uh, and, and 
content with never rising above flesh levels. Believers, our lives should be charged with supernatural power because we're in Christ. We should be experiencing events in our lives that lie beyond the laws of probability. We should be aware that God is arranging contacts. God is opening doors and overruling opposition on our behalf. We should be seeing direct answers to prayer. I want you to know that this, this young man, when he left home and had all of the things that he inherited from his father, he began to live in a way that was wasteful. And isn't it just like God that in a time when people are wasteful and ignoring him and trying to get as far away from him as they can, that a famine comes on the land. And now this young man was in a position where no one would, that even could, help him. They would not give him anything. And that's exactly the way people do. When you need them, they are not there. Amen. And they, are, uh, they, they, they mean not to be there when they can help you. For whatever reason, they understood and noticed that there was a difference in this young man's life. There was something unique about him. But God strategically was trying to bring this man to himself, even in an area in his life where he wanted to be far away from everything that, that named him, that caused him to be who he really was. See, we, we gotta be aware that God is arranging things for us. God is setting things up in our lives so that we will be awakened to who we were born to be. When our lives are, uh, touch other lives, believers, uh, we should expect something to happen for God. When we touch people's lives as believers, we should expect something of God to happen in their lives. If our lives are lived only in the natural level, how are, how are we any different from non-believers? If we're walking around fretful, afraid, uh, fearful, uncomfortable and worried. We're no different from non-believers. Amen. When you have the word of God, when you believe the word of God, you, you've heard the word of God, but still nothing separates you from non-believers because you are worrying, because you are fretting. You don't want to be close to God. You just want a comfortable and convenient lifestyle. God wills that the life of Christ would flow through us it would flow out of us and through us to affect the world. Do you realize that there are things that are above your natural ability to fix even in your own life? Things can happen in the world where there are, there are faithful people that's beyond our natural ability to fix. Everyone was living in a famine. Everyone. Everyone is subject to this pandemic these things that are affecting our bodies. We're all subject to it. Doesn't matter how many Bible scriptures you know. Doesn't matter how much you flip out these cliches because you're a believer. We're all subject to this pandemic in this hour, only in the natural, only if God shields and protects us. There's nothing about you naturally that makes you any different than anybody else. The only thing that makes us different is that we are believers. We're believers. God, listen, God is intentional. He, does, he, he doesn't act randomly. He's not a chance God. He doesn't do anything coincidentally. He is strategic. He is intentional. Everyone knows that by now. Every sent message, every mission is intentional. 
Everything that God allows you to experience in your life, God has done it intentionally. Those times of lack, those times of sickness, hurt, and pain, it was intentional to awaken you to a power that was in you. Don't you understand that God has given you something in your life, has placed something within you that he wants you to operate in? Whenever God does something or allows something in your life, he's up to something. Do you believe that this morning? Whatever he allows in your life, he's up to something. Even when it seems like he's doing nothing, God is up to something. He is intentional. When God opens doors, he's up to something. When things look good, he's up to something. When things look bad, God is still up to something. When he brings people into your life, he's up to something. And when he removes people from your life, he's up to something. And when he removes these people, don't you understand? He didn't do it just by chance. God is trying to speak something in you. He's up to something. Amen. God is intentional. It's not by chance that this is happening. God is up to something. Amen. He's intentional and has purpose in everything that you experienced. God was preparing you in one season for your new season. There was a time when you, God trained you. He put you in a situation that, that seemed rather difficult to you, but it was your time and your season of training so that God could make you effective for what next he had for you. When God opens doors, people, he is up to something. Amen. This is not just by chance that this is happening. God is up to something. He's intentional and has purpose in it. When we look at how God moves among men and through men throughout the Bible, we see it's strategic and it's intentional. Can't stress that enough. God has not let it go and noticed how concerned he is about us knowing our identity, right. our God-given identity, not who you think you are. He constantly tells us who we are all through the world. And we need to hear from his perspective who we are. People who really haven't had any experience with you have an opinion about you. I'm sure by now you've lived long enough to know that. Everyone around you, people that have experienced you, people who have not even experienced you, everybody around you, they have developed an opinion about you. God knows that we need to consistently hear from his perspective who we are because we've got so many other voices that's telling us who we are. Not only do people have an opinion of us, we have an opinion of ourselves. And sometimes that's based on how we have uh, allowed it to affect us what they're saying to us. What they're saying to us affects how we think of ourselves. God wants us to have an accurate understanding of our identity, an accurate understanding of our identity. This is critical because it determines what we're willing to believe and receive from God. Do you know who you are in God? No wonder Solomon told us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Solomon is saying that I'm going to live life according according to who I think that I am, to who I think that I am. It's not according to what others think about me. It's not even according to what I say, come on somebody, to what I say out loud about myself. It's how I think in my heart, so am I. If, if, if I don't have the 
right understanding of my identity, everything I do makes me a fraud. You can convince me to change my behavior, but that's only temporary. It'll not last because my true identity is in my heart. I'm only acting nice. I know I'm not nice. I'm just acting nice. My understanding of my identity has to be adjusted. Do, do I know who I am? This is why God consistently tells us who we are all throughout scripture. You can only change my behavior for a season. But if you can bring me to a clear understanding of my true identity, I will not feel trapped and bound in what I'm trying to just act like. I will not eventually fall back into the same old redundant dysfunctional cycles because I have not been changed. We shout because everybody else is shouting. We like to see everybody else shout. We like to hear the song they're singing. But in our hearts, we don't have a song. In our, in our lives, we don't have anything that we think is worth shouting for. We just come to church and we're entertained and we're glad to sit and just look, knowing that it is not well with our soul. Nothing has been changed about us. We're simply learning behavioral patterns so that we can understand how to act and not understand who God has called us to be. Amen. So we're still in these same old redundant and dysfunctional cycles because we have not been changed. And when God offers us things, we don't feel like we're worthy or he can't be talking to us because my mind has not been renewed that I am right with God. Why should I deserve this? We still feel like we have to work for it. We still feel like we have to earn this. But salvation is free. We, we need to hear God's perspective of who we are. Don't, don't allow people to give you your identity. Don't allow people to give you your identity because then they expect you to just act a certain way. They have trapped and bound you up to act in a certain way. When we read our Bibles, we got to see that all that God is doing is intentional. Everything he says and everything he does is connected and works together without any contradictions. If you're reading and studying your Bible and you reach a conclusion that there is a word God that contradicts a word that he told you before, then you don't have the right understanding at work because everything God has ever said to you is working and connected together and never will contradict itself. He's bringing you to an expected end. He's building something up in you, but don't be so weak-minded that you let the words of others supersede the word of God concerning you and your identity and how he wants you to live. Amen. When he speaks to you, he calls you and reveals your assignment to you. He's not hung up on your inadequacies like you are or how others feel about you. He knows and is sure of your true identity and your abilities. He knows what he put in you, just like the father of this prodigal. He knows how he raised his son. He knows what he spoke to him. He knows the love that he showed to him. He knows what's in him because he put it in him to live in a certain way. You got to identify when foreign entities have entered into the minds of your children and even into your mind that causes you to want to live and be far away from God. God speaks to you understand that he's always handing you something. 
He's releasing and revealing something every time that he speaks to you. Your true identity is important. What you can do according to what God says you can do is important. That's why he has spent so much time telling you in his word that you were made in his image and in his likeness, that you are chosen generation, that you have power. That's why he spent so much time in his word telling you that you are loved unconditionally and inseparably, that you are wonderfully and fearfully made, that you are his workmanship, you are the salt of the earth, and that you men and women of God are servants of the most high God, sent by God to proclaim the way of salvation. Do you see what God sees in you? If you don't, you do well to learn to see how God sees you. Otherwise, you're living a fraud because you're only who God sees you as. And that's got to be your testimony. Everything God declares that I am, that's what I will de declare that I am. It is my confession. Confession means that we speak in agreement with what God has said. Amen. So I'm going to say that I am who God says I am, no matter what it feels like and no matter what I look like, I am who God says that I am. Amen. You've got to learn to see what God sees in you. And see, some people really battle with seeing themselves as God sees them. They resist what God sees because they don't see it. There's a gap between the way you see it and the way God sees you. God knows what he spoke over you. He, what, what he knows what he put in you, what he gave you. He knows and he sees what's in you. So when he sets something before you, he's telling you that I know what's in you, although you feel like this is too much for you. I know you can do this. You can live through this because I put something in you to sustain you. The prodigal says when, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no more worthy. Look at how he sees himself. I am no more worthy. This is healthy in a confession state. This is healthy in a, in a state of conviction. But listen, it's never meant for you to stay there. When God starts rewarding you, when God assures you that you've been forgiven, you're no, it's no more. You don't say these things anymore because now you've got to speak in agreement with what God has said concerning you. When he came to himself, just because he dropped the husk and was no longer thinking that that low of himself, he still doesn't mean that he, it doesn't mean that he was thinking right. Listen, just because you don't think low of yourself still doesn't mean that you're thinking right about yourself until you come into agreement with what God is saying about you. Amen. It, it, it wasn't low, but it still wasn't right. It, it wasn't in agreement with what God thought. He, he, he said, as a hired servant, but God said, no, you are a son. Let me just say this real quick. I want you to understand that you've got to see yourself as God sees you. You've got a desire to become what you were born to be 
as God has given you this life. You're here intentionally and on assignment. I may somebody, I know somebody may think, well, this was a mistake or the way you got here was a problem. No, God brought something good out of it that you never intended to get out of it. As a result, look at what God has done through the thing you thought was the biggest mistake or biggest error of your life. God says, I'm going to use this to bring you to yourself and I'm going to show you who you are. I know you saw you in that manner, but I always saw you as a son. You saw you as that, but I always saw you as a drug dealer, but I still saw the son in you. You were a liar, homemonger. You were promiscuous, but God said, I saw the call that I placed on your life. See, grace gives God the, the, the ability to see you in ways that he has called you. Now, you don't have to see yourself like that, and when nobody else will forget it, don't you? I want you to know that God has forgotten it because of this convicted state of mind that you came to him in. You confessed your sin, and you came to God, and God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Now, you, don't, you no longer have to punish yourself. No longer do you have to hold what you did over your head because you, believer, have been forgiven. No more low thinking but you got to see yourself as God sees you. Listen, this thing speaks loudly to us when we think we're something that we're not. Listen, even your prayer life will reveal how you see yourself with God. I know what you're saying, but I want you to understand what God sees. Your prayer life will reveal how you see yourself with God. You, you know you are a son, but, but you pray and talk to the father as a hired servant or a beggar. If you are a son, you are not a beggar. Our prayers sound like we're faithlessly begging God. Please keep me safe. Please have mercy on me. Lord, please love me. Lord, please don't let the devil get me. You see the gap between how we feel about ourselves and, and the way God feels about us? We say we're forgiven, but when we pray, it reveals that we really don't see ourselves as forgiven. We say it, but we live like uh, and feel like we're not in it the way God wants us to be in it. The word of God tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of need. I know you read that. He wouldn't tell us to come boldly if there wasn't something in us that's covering us and covering that nature in us that is not right with God. Aren't you glad that God has covered you and then gives you an invitation to boldly come? When he rent the veil from the top to the bottom, he was giving us access to boldly come. We don't need a high priest. We don't need a priest to go on our behalf. It's good to have intercessors, but you can go to God in Jesus and get the same results. It is the blessing of God on our life. God is not tweaking his grace. God is not adjusting his mercy. His grace is already sufficient and his mercy is everlasting. His work on the cross is all sufficient. The price has already been paid in full. God is fully and completely satisfied. Your sins have been forgiven. You've got to know that, believer. The blood of Jesus says paid in full. 
There's nothing else needed to satisfy his wrath against sin in us. Once you truly get that, you take your place and you come boldly to the throne in the name of Jesus because you understand your identity in Christ. The cross was the full payment for my sin. You need to speak that over yourself. If you're wrestling with something that you seem not to be able to pull away from or if something in your past is trying to shadow itself over you, you need to understand that because you were convicted and because you have confessed and repented that this thing now, God, is satisfied with you and your sin. It's been paid in full. The payment for your sin has been made. No, you are not a hired servant. You are not a nephew or a cousin. I am a son. I am an heir, a joint heir. My life is hidden in Christ. He's in me and I am in him. I'm hidden in Christ. If you have a picture in your hand right now, just an analogy to know what it means to be hidden Christ. And just as a knowledge to know that God has given us treasure in earthen vessels. If you have a picture of yourself in your hand, and if you have a Bible or a book nearby, and if you take that picture and put it in that book or that Bible, you walk around in your house, get in your car and drive anywhere you want to drive. You are carrying that picture with you everywhere you go. Now, people, when they look at you, they will not see the picture, but what they will see is what the picture is in. When you look at me, you will not see the, 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 the Christ, but you will see the vessel that he's in. You will see what's carrying the Christ. You will see it in me. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you in your sins. He sees you in Christ. He sees Jesus. Aren't you glad about that? The thing that you put it in, people don't see that. They see what you're carrying it in. They see the cover. You are hid in it. They don't see you, but you're in there. You are there. When he was coming at a distance, no one else could recognize him but the love of a father. Could see how his clothes were worn. To see how he had been working in a muddy place, in a muddy state. To see how his body, mind, see how he had probably physically lost weight because he was hungry. But God, his father, still recognized him, even at a distance, and ran to him and showed him all kinds of grace. Ignored his request to be a subpar level. Ignored his request to be treated as a hired servant. He says, there's no way. You were not born to be my hired servant. You were born to be my son. And that's all I'm going to accept you as. You were born again, believer, to be a son, an heir, and a joint heir of Christ. You have inherited these things. This treasure is in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may not be of men, but it is to the glory of God. When you look at me, don't give me the glory or give me the credit. You, I want you to see Jesus in me. If you sing good, if you look good and dress good, don't get tied up on what people look and sound like. You need to know who they are, and they need to know who they are in God. Because we can pretend to be many things, but who we really are is who God sent us to be on this mission, with this message, with this power. Amen. Understanding who you were born to be is powerful. Yeah. I want you to know that Christ is in me and I am in him.
So when I go to God in prayer, God doesn't just see me. He sees what I'm in. So now it's not just who I am, but it's who I am in him. We call ourselves sons and daughters of God, but we act like hired servants. No connection, no relationship, no love, just work and wages. We're not reaching for anything greater. We're not reaching for something else that God has placed in us. But I tell you, God is intentional in this season and in this hour to cause you. Do I believe that I am who God says that I am? Do I believe that I can have what God says that I can have? Do I believe that God gave me what he said he gave me? Do I believe I can do what God says I can do? God says, it's in you. Go ahead and win this battle. It's in you. Go ahead and walk on surface. It's in you. Go ahead and speak those things that are not as though they were. It's in you because I know what I gave you, and I know the assignment that I have on your life. It's more than just coming to the building. I'm trying to build the church that the gates of hell can never prevail, and we should expect the supernatural power favor of God to be on our lives and we shouldn't just say it we should believe it and when we pray we don't have to pray like we're beggars or higher servants we got to pray like we believe God if you were walking around worried then that means that you don't believe God how many of you have children and do you see your children Laying awake at night, worrying about what they're going to eat in the morning, worrying about what you're going to put on them, worried about where they're going to live, a shelter over their head. Your kids know that you got that. Your kids know that as, your, as his parents, they know you have taken care of that. So when God tells us, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. As a loving father, you can rest and assure that God's got your back. God is very much concerned about you, and he's taking care of it all. When you get sick in your body, don't you know that just like you want to see your kids healed and delivered, God wants to see you healed and delivered. He does everything intentional and on purpose. Now what we have to do is will to see ourselves as God wills to see us. We've got to walk in agreement with the way God sees us. It's not how you see it. It's not how they see it. It's not what they say. It's what God says. And that's who you are. Know your identity. Look, do you know your identity in Christ? Do you know who you are in Christ? You're not a hired servant. Don't ask to be a hired servant. I know you lived a raggedy, tore up life. But God said, I always saw the calling. I always saw the assignment. I know what they said you were. I know what you said you were. But I have an assignment, and that's all I saw on you, because grace was sufficient for you. I'm not worried about what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat. My father got that. He has that covered. And this son, he found out that he didn't have to settle. Aren't you glad that finally in your life, you have found out that you don't have to settle because of our father. He found out that he had to, uh, to close the gap that he had put between him and his father. How he saw himself was what made this gap between him and his father. How his father saw him was the way he always saw him. And I want you to understand that the way you see yourself 
if it doesn't line up with the way God sees you, it is not of God. It is a trick of the enemy. Even from the beginning, the devil wanted to give us something or try to tempt us with something that we already had. He told Eve that if you eat this, that you will be like God in so many ways. When God has said he already made us in his likeness and in his image, don't try to give me something that God has already given me. When, when Jesus was baptized, the, the word of God, God began to speak from heaven. He said, this is my beloved Oh, please. The minute he was in the hands of the enemy to be tempted, the first thing the enemy tried to challenge was his identity. He said, if you be the son of God, then do thus. And so Jesus was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that because I know who I am. I know my identity. You're not trying to give me something that I already have. He'll try to take what's real from you and give you a fake replica of something that looks like but is not real. It, it, it sounds right, it looks right, but it's not right. And you don't have to settle. Listen, get hungry. God is strategically creating an appetite in you for you to be hungry for your God-given identity, for you to know who you were born to be. Right. Not born to act like, not born to look like, but who you were born to be. You are sons and daughters of the most high God, washed in his blood. Death hath no more authority over you. These things sound too simple for those who want to make church and believe in God so complex. All you got to do is know who you are in God and watch your prayer life change. What you ask God for, you will not settle to be around with no shoes. You will not settle to be around without the best that God has for you. You will not settle to be around and look like a son, but not be and think in your heart that you are a son. I am a son of God. I deserve the best. He gave me Jesus. Jesus gave his blood. Everything I ever done, God is now, he favors me. I'm filled with the spirit of God in the name of Jesus. Can you just shout amen if you amen. received that word today? Amen. Very simple, very simple. We need to graduate to amen. a level of, un, of this understanding that we can accept our God-given identity and then we will not settle on a devil's level and live a flesh level and never be born and birthed into know that that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now I have overcome that carnality, that fleshly state. I know there's more to me than what you see. Amen. Somewhere that's hidden in me, that of God. And I'm reaching for it. It's there, and I'm reaching for it. Amen. When you come to yourself, you will see that God wants you to be more than just what you've settled for, a higher servant. You're a son. You're a daughter. Right. You're an heir and a joint heir. You have power and you have authority over everything the enemy tries to project in your mind. Everything he's saying to your kids, you have authority over. Everything he's trying to teach and challenge you. When God says you're healed, that's your declaration. That's your confession. Yes, I am healed. If God says you've been restored, yes, I've been restored. I believe you, God. There's no lack in my life, for you are my shepherd and I shall not want. Everywhere I walk, fear has to leave me because God is in me and because he is with me I'll fear no evil 
And when darkness comes, I'll speak light. That's right. Because my God has already overcome everything this world is trying to do to me. Amen. Somebody ought to give God praise just for victory. Amen. Thank victory you, Victory this morning. Because Hallelujah. that's where you are. Hallelujah. A conqueror. And yes. God Amen. That, that to you over and over and over again. He sees you from a distance and he's running to you. He's kissed you with the spirit and he has gifts for you. God is blessing you spiritually, physically, and financially because you belong to God. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you, God. Amen. This morning. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got shoes on my feet. I'm not just a hired servant. Got a robe on. I fit in the house. I belong there. In Jesus' name, yeah. I want you to understand who you were born to be right. by God. Amen. Not who people are gossiping and saying you are, but who you are in the sight and in the mind of God. Right. Amen, amen. Amen. Just take a moment just to thank him because the cross is sufficient. Take a moment just to thank him because the blood of Jesus is all you need to get right with God. Just thank him just for a moment because of his goodness. And times when you feel the worst about yourself and you feel like nothing is happening on your behalf, just take a moment to thank God that he was strategically positioning you into something better. He had something better planned for you. Even while you were in that state, he was preparing you for something better. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to prepare ourselves now to go to God and uh, we're going to do our communion this morning. And we're going to ask Minister Gordon and Deacon Woodruff if they would prepare themselves with the scripture and prayer. And as you prepare yourself with your communion at this time. Amen. For as I've received of the Lord, that which I also delivered unto you, the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do as remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye. As often you eat, drink of this in remembrance of me. For as often you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, ye do show the Lord's death until he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this, this cup of the Lord unworthy shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup, for he eat it and drank it unworthy, eat it and drank damnation to himself, not the son in the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many are asleep. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning thanking you for the message and the messenger. And Father, thanking you that we realize that if we come to you and put our hands and our hearts in your hands, Father, that you will let us know who we really are born to be. And Father, we thank you for this bread that symbolizes your body 
and this wine that symbolizes your blood. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. For it was the same night in which our Lord was betrayed, that he took bread, and after he had blessed and break, he said, take, eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. And likewise, after he had supped, he took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this cup, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Let us pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this great memorial of the redemptive work of your son. Father God, we thank you that we are partakers of this death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And as we live in expectation, O oh God, we thank you for that great day of resurrection power, the day that we shall all be with you, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, that you have made us right with you, the blood of your son, the final sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for dying and rising again and giving us life and life more abundantly. You have gifted us with this grace of life and life more abundantly. We honor you, O oh God. We bless you. Yes. We praise you for giving us identity. Yes. We thank you, Father God, for the victory. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Father God, those who right now are dealing with affliction, those who are waiting to undergo surgery, those who are, are, have been laid off their jobs or, or don't even have a job, and those who are complacent, those who are in bereavement, even at this hour. Mm -hmm. Father, I ask you, that, and I thank you for your peace. I thank you in Jesus' name for your peace, your comfort, and to let them know that you are very present help even yes. now, O oh God, in their lives. We thank you, O oh God, that it is even as you have said it is. We thank you, O oh God, right now that this thing will not end until we see you coming in the clouds. We honor you, Father God. We praise you for your word of promise. We praise you for your word of identity and revelation knowledge and understanding of who we are. I thank you, O oh God, that you've revealed in your word that we perish for lack of knowledge. Lord, help us and give us and release to us the understanding, Lord. We thank you for your grace is sufficient. We thank you for your mercy endures forever. You are everlasting God, a God that loves us unconditionally, and we are inseparable from your love. Bless every household, bless every marriage, every son, every daughter. Father, we thank you for your blessing of abundance and your blessings of overflow. We thank you now in the name of Jesus. We pray for it all. Amen. We give God the glory. again i want to thank you for being here as yours i thank god for your support lady harper and myself are so grateful that you have supported uh this work this ministry even this zoom meeting we thank god for you and i pray that you will continue to have a blessed day be safe amen and know who you are in christ god bless you believer amen continue our study our talking uh from second corinthians the 10th chapter verses three through five I think that this is very important for us to continue as I meditate and feel like that I am uh, being led by God to spend time with this particular text to uh, awaken in us a fight that we are all a part of. However, I do believe and know uh, that, that everyone in the body of Christ is not sensitive to the immediate fight that we are exposed to. So we're going to talk from 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5 once again. 
But though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to use for um, the subject, once again, schemes of deception and for subtopic, fighting in another dimension, fighting in another dimension. And if you were not on and did not hear that, or for whatever reason, the second Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. At this point, we understand and know that if we're going to be effective in our warfare against the enemy, we're going to have to never neglect or underestimate the power of the word of God. I've also stressed the importance that we have to know that the word of God is the final authority in our lives. If we're not reading and studying the word of God or spending any time with the word of God. We will not grow in this area. Everything the enemy says and does, we will sit and receive uh, helplessly that the, everything that he throws at us and we will have no combative mindset to know that the word of God is effective even in this hour. And truly believe it or not, this is a time when the enemy would love to afflict us with fear, fear of being trampled by those who have given themselves over to demonic influence to attack and to kill at will, fear of being infected by things we cannot see or detect with our natural senses. But we hear, but we will fear no evil, believer, because we know that God is with us. God is leading us and giving us peace, provision, and rest. We find comfort in his word of correction and his word of protection in the very presence of evil. We're not lost sheep without a shepherd, wandering around in life without help, protection, or guidance in the midst of demonic confusion, being deceived and destroyed because of ignorance. Though we live in a world like this right now, we do not attack the social problems we see in the same way the world does. Our weapons are not worldly. We fight in another dimension. The enemy wants to deceive us into thinking that our weapons are no match for what we see we're up against. Mm -hmm. But I believe I'm speaking to some people who know very well that our weapons are effective. They're powerful and they're mighty through God to the pulling down, to casting down and carrying away captive thoughts and acts and things the enemy would have us to believe or to doubt concerning the word of God. If I'm talking to anybody that's had any kind of experience with the word of God, when you prayed and confessed and you, you lived out and spoke out against everything that God brought into your spirit, that was a lie. That's something that was built up in you. That was a lie. And you used the word of God against it and experienced and saw the victories that God placed in your life through the word of God. See, we cannot get slothful with the word of God. We can't love everything about church except for the word of God. This is what makes us who we are. It's, it's the actual 
word of God that births us into this community of faith, this body of believers, this new life, this transformation. This, this is very important. It's in the natural life, we grow in this world by eating natural foods. And in the spirit life, we, we have to grow in the spirit by eating the bread of life, the word of God. So God has led us to this place as though it were green pastures where we need to, to learn how to honor, submit, and to use the power and the authority of the word of God speaking and confessing, confirming, and shaping the very thoughts of our minds and our being, allowing the word of God to mold us and to shape us, establishing walls of resistance that the enemy cannot penetrate with his schemes of deception, battling in our minds to hold on to the truth and understanding of God's revealed will according to his word. When you find out and you discover thoughts that were hidden in you that the enemy planted there and that had you bent over in life, thoughts that had you stagnant and stuck, it's time to break free. It's time to fight back. It's time to resist those hindering words that, that he's releasing. He's releasing his work in you through deception, wrong information. The Bible says that he is a deceiver and that he is the father of lies. Of lies. And he, if he infects you and he releases his work in you through the lies that he speaks, through the deceptive schemes that he comes up against you with. When you believe the enemy, you release his power at, to be at work in your lives. And I told you, look at your Bible, because when those works manifest, they manifest in, in deafness or, or dumbness. They manifest in bending you over for, for 18 years. They manifest in keeping you stagnant and stale for 38 years, keeping you stuck in a mindset of, of demonic bondage, causing you to feel or think you're helpless. It's a stronghold. It's a scheme of deception. And you can get angry and, and, and to ball up your fists and throw hands, but that is not the warfare for which we're being ushered into to fight. We understand all of this by now. So once again, we realize our text expresses the importance of our thought life, revealing the battle of our mind. We are enlightened as to the dimension from which we're being attacked and how we have been equipped with God's weaponry in this word. No human or natural weapons are effective in this fight. You've got to make that transition. You've got to get that in your spirit that while we're just, we're, we're not trying to get too excited and shout this morning, but what we're doing is understanding for which we are engaged in this spiritual dimension of warfare. See, and we've been equipped by God's weaponry. We, we, the, 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 it's important that, that we understand this, that there's a battle for our minds. And the dimensions uh, from which we're being attacked, we cannot be ignorant and think that this is not important because it is. Natural weapons will not win this battle. You must know, you must speak and live the truth against all of what the enemy, the antichrist spirit that speaks up against everything that says God is true. 
everything that God stands for, that the enemy is trying to speak out against it. He's challenging the standards of God in you. See, you, you have to speak your way out of this. You can't shoot your way out of this fight. You've got to speak your way out. You must know, speak, and live the truth. We've seen over again how the enemy in Genesis 3 used schemes of deception in order to influence our thought life, to gain influence or, or in our decisions and, and a manipulative influence over our behavior. He wants to disrupt your faith and your willingness to be obedient to God and his word. He wants you to think that God is withholding something from you that you need. The enemy uses lies and false doctrine to undermine and stop the movement of true ministry. He uses these lies and false doctrine to construct strongholds of deception in the minds of people. If I, if, 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 if I don't, thought is not consistent, if a thought is not consistent with the word of God, it must go. You cannot live your life based on thoughts that are not consistent with the word of God and feel that you're going to have any power in this fight. A spiritual stronghold is a mindset, a false state of mind that underestimates the redeeming power of God, a false state of mind that underestimates the power of your weaponry, your anointing, your effectiveness in ministry. Simply put, they're lies, lies about God, lies about how God sees you, and lies about how you see yourself. Worst of all, they're lies that you have chosen to believe. That's the worst part of all of these is that there are lies that some of us have chosen to believe because we somewhat found ourselves outnumbered. We found ourselves doing good in the midst of more evil. We find ourselves being overwhelmed because of what the enemy is saying in this hour. Listen, no, it's time for us to actually sit down with the word of God and, and, and stop trying to scheme our way like the enemy into some activity that, that, that something is going to happen in our lives when we don't understand, believe, or know how to operate in the word of God. You, you have no weaponry if you're not a student of the word. You, you have no weaponry. You have nothing to stand against the lies about God that's coming to you from the enemy. The lies about how God sees you. Some of us don't think that God loves us because somehow or another we're stuck on something that, that's going on in our lives that's not God. Listen, God loves you. You still have an opportunity. Lies about how you see yourself can drive you over into things that you never thought you would ever be a part of. And I told you the worst part about this are that you believe, if you believe these lies, if you choose to believe these lies, then the enemy releases his power at work in your life. Spiritual strongholds are built on lies. We must replace those lies with God's truth. When you have identified a stronghold in your life, you must confess the truths you've learned and believe from the word of God against the stronghold you've identified. 
I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. It's just a simple thing, but it's profound because what we'll do, we'll face problems and we'll cry loud and we'll pray all night, but not believe God any at all and not have a word to put up against the lie that the enemy is speaking in our mind all night long. You need a word. You need a word to speak against what the enemy is speaking into you. Listen, replace that lie with the truth of God's word. When you've identified that stronghold, you've got to confess the truth. You've got to speak the truth out loud. Let your spirit hear you speak the truth that you've learned and believed from the word of God. Whatever stronghold it is, find the word of God, read it, study it, believe it, receive it, and speak it over your life and to the thing specifically that's been revealed as a stronghold. Then you've got to guard your heart against what the enemy will try to do to reconstruct what's been pulled down, cast down, and brought into captivity. He will come and he will leave you for a season, but he will come back and try to reconstruct and reclaim your life once again. You cannot just live this life all happy and unconscious of the fact that every day you're being exposed to a war. I'm not going to be very long. I just want, I want to burn this in spirit. And I'm praying that you can go back, like I told you once, once before, several weeks ago, to, to listen to this so that you can understand. Some of us think that our lives are so complex that the word of God and the teachings of God, the unfolding and unveiling of the word of God is, is not enough for what's going on in our lives. But this text is so important to that mindset, that stronghold. The text reveals the very source of the enemy's strength against us and the nature or dimension from which we must fight. From this, we see that God wants us to know our enemy and his tactics. We'll never succeed if we don't know the tactics of our enemy. And if we don't know our weapons and how to use them, we'll never succeed. We simply don't understand our weapons and we don't trust their effect effectiveness, how powerful they really are. When you look at your our young people today, you can see that the enemy's strategy against them is, to, is identity confusion and, and that they don't need God. Some of our young people think they don't need God. Can't, can't, can't you see how unimportant, unconcerned, and disengaged many, even the adults are, in, in the work of God, becoming uh, effective in the ministry of God's work. Many are unconcerned. It's not important to disengage. They have other things that they're involved in, and they'll gladly tell you that that is on the back burner right now. They have no respect for the things of God. We're captivated by worldliness and materialism. We're trying to, to get uh, things unself, I mean, just, just gain stuff, no matter what we have to do to get it. It is a stronghold. It's a mindset that's, that's leading folk away from ministry, the work of God, the importance of winning this battle, the importance of being used by God. And, and, we, and we're not trying to condemn one another with this teaching, but we are acknowledging that there are things that we all need to do, that we need to wake up and be conscious of our position, our place in the body of Christ to work and no position, no place, no work going overlooked, no person being stepped over, but every, every vessel is important in this work. I believe God is 
shaking and awakening us to bring us closer to an awareness of warfare taking place all around us. In this time of war, every day of our lives, we're being significantly affected in every way. Leisure activities have been declined. The way we interact with each other has new restrictions. We're struggling as we're being forced into change and restructuring how we can effectively educate our kids outside the classroom, just as we must minister outside of the church building. Every aspect of our lives is changing. Every believer must acknowledge this war. You cannot live in this world and think that you're not being affected in some way by what's going on around you. Now, I want us also to understand this. The written word of God expresses his perfect will. We find God's perfect will, and at times in the scripture, God's permissive will to do certain things in our lives. It was not the perfect will of God for his people in the Old Testament to have a king like all the other nations. You remember that. However, he allowed them to have an earthly king because in doing so, he had a greater purpose. He had a more perfect work, a more perfect will. So what he did by allowing them to do this, he established a royal line through David from which the Messiah would come and be king forever. Now, we don't have to pray and ask God uh, to reveal his perfect will concerning certain things. Like, you know, should I just continue to lie? Should I just continue to, to be a glutton or, or to lust over things that God has strictly prohibited and forbidden for us for to come in our lives? I, I, can't I shouldn't pray to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When God has established that his perfect will for us is to not partake of certain things. But what I should pray for is that if I desire those things and will to have them beyond God's perfect will, I should pray that that stronghold be revealed and I speak out against it in warfare. Amen. The perfect will of God has no flaws and no missing pieces. When we think in light of Romans 8, 28, we realize that God's plan and purpose for every believer is for our good and for his glory. God is omniscient. You don't have to teach him anything or tell him something he didn't know. He knows what he will accomplish in you. Hear that, believer. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're fearful of in tomorrow, which you shouldn't allow any fear in you whenever you're walking by faith and trusting God. That's a, that's a place of development by staying close to the word of God. Right. He knows what he will accomplish in you. Right. Sarah was barren, but God knew the name of the baby when she had no idea that she would ever be impregnated. He knows what we will do and what we would do in any given circumstance. You can say, Lord, I'll never, but God already knows exactly what you will do in any given circumstance. The word of God teaches us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right. I'm not talking about 
halfway coming, got your heart on on 90% one thing and just and then 10% on God or the word of God or praying or seeking God's face. The word says that he is a, a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So if you need healing, if you need breakthrough, if you need a blessing, you got to diligently seek him. You got to trust him with your whole heart and find the word to do some combat, some warfare in, the, in another dimension. His plan for us will never fail or be flawed by some missing piece of information or unknown detail in what it is that we're dealing with. His word is the final authority right. in all of our lives. His word reveals the very quality of life God wills for the believer. And whenever we receive the revelation of God's will for the quality of life, the life and life more abundantly, for the very quality of life that God wills for the believer, we should not lower our standards of living in a world that says, as a believer, this is what you have to have, and this is how much you can have of it, and this is what you are, are, are able to do and to remain popular. No, if, if, if a drug dealer can drive a nice car, if, 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 if they can do all manner of things and, all, and have all manner of things, why can't God's people receive the blessing and the favor of God on our lives. People have to criticize you because you want a nice car or a nice house or that you have these things or that you wear nice clothes. That's not what we're all about. There's nothing wrong with us having that. But there's something wrong whenever we put it before the warfare. That's right. When your warfare is only that you get those things, there's a problem. You're bound in your spirit, but you're driving a new car. You're bound in your spirit, but you won the lottery. There's something wrong with that when you are a believer. And some of us, we would rather have the money than to have a word that gets us free. The word of God clearly teaches us that we have a very real enemy who's trying to steal the life that God wants us to have. God wants us to learn to fight spiritually and win. Some folk just like fighting. Winning is not even a, an objective. Some folk just like fighting. They fight everything, every vision. They fight every thought. They fight every, every objective to, to reach a goal. They fight. They're not, win they're not trying to win. They're just, they're just those little demonic seeds of resistance. Their conversation is not in agreement with moving forward. Their conversation is to pull you back to their, their past achievements. They're stuck on things that's happened then, but God wants to do uh, ever increasing a greater work of glory in your life. What you've been through is good and you should never forget and you should always give God the glory, but God wants to do more. Amen. He's not limited to what he did for you last year. God wants to do a new thing in your life. God wants us to learn how to fight spiritually and win, holding our position of deliverance, freedom, and victory over all the schemes of the enemy. Trust God in the finished work of Christ. Trust him in the finished work of Christ. Now, there, there, there are some services that we've all been in, shouting, crying, screaming, and falling out, yet getting up home, going home still sick with an empty pocketbook, still bound and still unskilled in the word of God to fight in the dimension from which we're being attacked. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, our text tells us, for though we walk in the flesh, 
We do not war after the flesh. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Come on up to the right dimension, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, our fight is not against people on earth. We're fighting against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness. We're fighting against the spiritual powers of evil in heavenly places. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. James 4, 7 tells us to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, stand against the devil, and he will flee. In other words, he won't walk away. He'll have to run away from you. Some of us bring no resistance to the enemy. We simply believe and receive every lie he speaks to us. If you have no word, you have no weapons. You have no resistance. You have no truth, no rock to stand firm on and strong on, no knowledge to stand against him in your faith. First Peter 5, 8, 9, as a roaring lion, it says he's looking for someone who he may devour. I want you to know some of us come up with problems, even with our children in, in our lives, that we don't know how to handle when they come and they, they ask us things or when they come and they're dealing with a certain kind of spirit that the enemy is trying to vex their mindset with. We don't know how to deal with it, but listen, you can learn how to deal with it through prayer and getting a word and speaking out against what's going on in the in another dimension, in the spirit realm. We don't have to perform to earn God's approval because Christ has already earned it for us. We only need to believe. So you can fall out, get covered up with a blanket. You can wake up and fall back out again. You can get up and cut flips. And, but if you're not skillful in the word of God, you're going to still be chained, bound, and limited as to where you're going in God. you got to enter this fight with the word. Look at the rich young ruler who came running and kneeling to Jesus with his own accolades, which he thought made him worthy to receive what Jesus had to give him. We, we must come trusting nothing but the finished work of Christ. We must believe and receive that it's by grace through faith that we're born again. Our status has been changed by true confession from our hearts and out of our mouths concerning Jesus Christ. You hear that? Out of our mouths, we have, our status has been changed. Your mouth, out of your mouth, your status has been changed because there's power of death and life in your mouth. There's power to move mountains in your mouth. Jesus, out of his mouth, spoke, and the tree, the fig tree withered. He did not put any salt at the root. He did not lay an ax to it. He spoke to it. And what he was doing is showing us how to speak to things to, to gain access to a different kind of authority, a different level of warfare. Amen. It comes out of our mouths, from our hearts, out of our mouths. And there's no other way. The devil is defeated. That's the way he is defeated. Not because Jesus was in a fist fight with the devil or that he had a gun or a knife, but victory has been won. Another 
way in another dimension. The price has been paid. The work has been done. The curse on your life has been broken. All down through your life, the curse has been broken. What was required by the law has been fulfilled. The perfect and final sacrifice has been provided. Every T has been crossed and every I has been dotted. And for all of us who believe God has counted it to us for righteousness. In other words, he sees it as though we did it ourselves. We have been redeemed, bought with a price, made right with God. He says we are his own, his chosen, his favored. His spirit is within us. His anointing is upon us. We are his sons and his daughters. We're called by his name washed in his blood. His resurrected power is within us. His earthly soldiers who are carried out, who are carrying out his will on earth as it is in heaven, called and gifted, empowered to serve in the body of Christ with clean hands. We've been justified. He sees us as if we never sin. Don't underestimate who you are in Christ. Don't underestimate the power of your spoken word. The devil is defeated. Can somebody say amen? Regardless as to what it seems like or what it looks like, the devil is defeated and my word holds me into my healing. My word holds me into where the devil wants to pull me down. My word holds me into a status of wealth my word holds me into where I'm being led by the still waters and I'm resting in green pastures. And yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because he is with me. He is my Lord and my God and his word has the final say in my life. Psalm 27, Psalm 20 and verse 7 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we, believer, will remember the name of the Lord our God. You cannot stand firm against the enemy, and, and he will not flee if you are full of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Get that word for whatever God has revealed to you that that stronghold is, and you speak back to the devil. You enter into warfare by faith and stand strong flat-footed and solid on a rock foundation where you cannot be moved. You remember when Jesus was approaching a crowd who had surrounded his disciples after he was coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. When he was coming to them, a man ran to him and kneeled before him saying his son was dealing with a spirit that his disciples couldn't help him with. Jesus told him to bring the boy to him and he cast the devil out of the boy. The disciples then asked Jesus, said, why couldn't we get that one out after we've been so successful everywhere else? The demons were subject to the words and the power that come out of our mouth through the authority that you laid on us. Every devil we came in contact with, was, was they were subject to the power that you gave us. But we couldn't get this demon out this demonic affliction, this thing that had vexed and tormented this young boy's life since he was a, a, a smaller child. They could not help that man. The disciples said, why couldn't we get that one out after so much spiritual success we've had? Jesus told them it was because of your unbelief. Amen. 
Jesus told them it was cause of their unbelief. Why aren't we seeing or expecting to see many manifestations of healing? Why have we taken down from the laying on of hands? I don't care if they still die. God has given us the command to lay hands on the sick. He's given us the command that if there's any sickness or afflicted people among you, let them call on the elders of the church. And we praying the prayer of faith, anointing them with oil, laying hands on them. He said, and they'll recover. He told them because it was for their unbelief. And that's the same problem we're having today. It's unbelief. Why certain spirits have vexed the minds of our kids. Why certain spirits are driving them away. That they're not interested in the things of God. That we have to try to customize church to their liking. No, we need to customize church to heaven's liking. Because on earth it has to be done as it is in heaven. We can't go around and canvas people asking them, well, what kind of church would you like? What would you like to see in the church? The devil is a lie. Amen. What they need to see in the church is a spirit that challenges every stronghold, every mindset, everything that is getting them that is against God. Amen. From this, we see that unbelief can give the enemy power over you. Do you understand what's going on in the spirit realm around you? If you get more money, you will lose it the next day because you will not have been delivered from the spirit of poverty. A spirit of poverty will never be wealthy. Amen. Jesus told them it was because of their unbelief. Your children are dealing with what they're dealing with because of your unbelief. We're dealing with what we're dealing with because of our unbelief. We will not stand firm on a solid truth from God's word. We will not fight the enemy in the context for which he's coming at us with. From this we see unbelief can give the enemy power over you. You can't get him out of your life. You can in no wise straighten yourself up. You'll sit by a pool for 38 years. You will bleed for 12 years. You will be vexed and bound, and you will be in a wilderness that you'll never get out of because whenever you walk in unbelief, you give the enemy power over you. You won't have enough faith or walk into your promised place it'll look too big it'll look too much it'll look like it, it wasn't for you and the enemy will give you the kind of identity mindset that it doesn't even fit you that you know people will not even be able to see where you are because it doesn't look like where you need to be but i'm telling you i may not be where i where people look where i look like people want me to be but i'm right. working i'm moving into what god wants right. me to have where God wants me to be. I'm learning how to stand flat-footed and speak the word of God against everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God Amen. in my life, in my family's life, and in my ministry. Amen. Speaking against it. We also saw what doubt can do as we looked at Peter. When, 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 when Peter began to sink after walking on the authority of the word of God to walk on water, doubt will stop your progress and Amen. take you under. It wasn't the water, it wasn't the waves, it wasn't the storm, it wasn't the wind. It was doubt that caused him to begin to sink. He was walking fine until he began to doubt. I don't care what you see, don't doubt. I don't care what you're looking at, don't doubt the word that God reveals to you and gives you this truth. With his stripes, I'm healed. I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper and every tongue that rises. Hey, I'll condemn it in Jesus' name. And when you doubt, that's what will happen to you. Just like Peter, you will be swallowed up in your fears. Sickness will not leave your body. 
Come on, you will not receive ears to hear and eyes to see in the spirit. You will stay in a tent of fear, not seeing your armies of fire all around you. When God has promised you victory, defeat is not an option. When God has promised you healing, sickness is not an option. I will walk faithfully and confidently in the word that God has declared over my life. If you're able to be under conviction, thank God today for it. If you're living in sin and you're and you are bothered by it, thank God for it. It means that God is still in your thoughts. God is still with you. The danger is when God is no longer in your thoughts, when you have resisted God in so much that he gives you over to a reprobate mind and your thoughts are continuously evil. Listen, I know that somebody is saying, now listen, okay, you cannot out the grace of God. We understand that because we're sin that abound, grace that much more abound. God so loved the world while we were yet in sin, he gave his only begotten son. We know that, but what we're talking about is the battle that's going on and raging in your mind. When you sin, when you lie repeatedly and there's no conviction. That means that your mind has been made up. You are not affected by it. There's only one thing left. You've chosen it and you've right. given, and now God will give you over to a reprobate mind to where you will do these things and you will not even feel any conviction. Now, you don't want to be in a place to where you have neglected so that God, even in a time of grace, will give you over to that kind of mindset to where you will not fight to where you will not stand against evil that comes up in your mind. And listen, I know you holy. I know you saved, sanctified, and I know you filled with the Holy Ghost, and I know you running for your life and, and, and all of this stuff that you're doing, and you clap like you're holy. You stand up and shout like you're holy. I want to tell you, though, that if you, if you are living in an area to where you think that, and you want people to think that bad things, thoughts, don't fly through your mind. That sometimes you want to slap somebody, curse somebody. Sometimes you would rather just see them just fall down right before you because of what they've done to you or somebody you love. I want you to understand those thoughts will go through all of our minds. The problem is, is whenever we, we capture them there and we allow the enemy to take those thoughts and build strongholds. This, uh, uh, structures, mindsets that keep us locked and bound in to evil acts, thoughts. And then we start living a pattern of evil to where God now has given us over to where we're not even convicted when we lie on our brothers or our sisters. To where we're not even convicted to see kids shot and killed in the street. To where we're not even convicted when we're doing all manner of evil, when we're trying to turn the lies of the devil into the truth and think we're going to live victorious. Listen, come on up. You got to come on up and fight in the right dimension. Don't underestimate the power of the spoken word. Listen, the enemy knows the power of words. That's why he speaks lies. He understands. He understands in this realm, it's the words. See, we were growing up, we say sticks and stones will break our bones, but words will never hurt us. Listen, that's a big lie. Words will kill you. Sure will. Words will kill you. 
what you speak in the atmosphere around you in the unseen realm that this they know what's going on especially when it's mixed with faith let me tell you, jesus did not tap this young boy jesus did not beat the devil out of him he didn't he didn't pick him up and sling him to the devil he he told the devil with his word he took authority over him and said just shut up and come out of him and the boy looked like he was dead for a while then Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. Listen, I'm telling you that your words are your weapons of warfare. Yes. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty through God. What do you do with them? We pull down strongholds. We cast down imaginations. That's right. And we bring every thought into captivity. That's right. To the obedience of Christ. Amen. If it doesn't line up with God, we gotta get rid of it. Yes. If it's not in agreement with what God says is always, we've got to get rid of it. If God says that no sickness shall come nigh thee, that's what we've got to believe. And when sickness knocks on the door, we got to answer it with the faith that no weapon and that by his stripes I'm healed. You've got to understand to stand on this. I know it seems like it's useless. And I'm not telling you that we don't need the doctors because we need the science. We need that information. But I'm telling you, your ultimate warfare is that Jesus has given you the weapons in your mouth. Your mouth, the weapons of your mouth can bring you into the lives of people who can help you. That's right. God will send people in your life that can help you. You've got to speak to things. Don't think it's crazy when you start speaking to things, calling those things that are not as though they were. That's right. What is faith? Faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. And it's the what? Evidence of Things not seen, things, anything. You've got to learn that you're in another, you're fighting believer, born again person, those who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've got to learn that you're fighting on another level. You're fighting in another dimension. And in this realm, you cannot use your eyes, which connect you to this world. You cannot just use your hands, which connects you and makes you sensitive to this world. But now you've got to connect them and use them in, a, in obedience and in agreement with God to do combat in an, in an atmosphere and in a way through which you are assured victory. Now, how many people want assurance of victory? or you just want to fight, beat the air. But I want to advance. I want to know that I see my devils, my enemies falling. I want to yes. know that I'm advancing. I want to know that things that's not supposed to be in my body are leaving my body, yes, leaving my mind, that's amen. leaving my life. And God has built a hedge of protection around me. Yes. He has shielded me with his word. Amen. And the enemy knows he cannot penetrate amen. what God has built to protect me. His words are fortress. His words are our protection. His words are our power yes. against everything the enemy is trying to build up against us. Listen, once again, as I close these few words, the word of God is the final authority in yes. your life. And listen, the devil knows it. Every demon knows it, that they are subject 
to the authority of the word of God. And when you speak that word because of who Jesus is for us and who we are in Christ, it's just as if Jesus told them what to do. Amen. So now you've got to understand in Jesus name, Jesus. cast out that devil, right. that demon of poverty, that demon of of disobedience, that demon of rebellion, that demon of slothfulness and laziness and this disengagement when it comes down to the mission and ministry of God. Everything in your life takes precedence over your real reason for living. Let's put first things first. Let's seek the kingdom and everything else that you're working three jobs for will be added unto you. Can we receive that word? Amen. I trust God today Amen. because of his word. To me, his unlocking, his revealing, uncovering what was already there, but I was living in ignorance that it was there for me. It was there for me. Mm. And I thank God for uncovering and delivering me from neglecting and underestimating the power of the spoken word mm. of God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. I'm thanking God right now for deliverance in families. Yes. Families that are still dealing with past hurts and pains. Mm. Thank you, God. Families that are dealing with issues that the enemy has consistently brought before you to trap and to bind you up in a demonic cycle to where you're never making progress, where you're never freely overcoming. I thank God that he's loosing the chains right now that have kept you bound for years. I thank God for mindsets that will release and give the word of God more freedom to, to penetrate thoughts, strongholds, imaginations about God, about yourself, about the people that are around you. I pray that you will understand and that it will be revealed to you clearly just how effective you are when you speak the word of God. You may think that you're not speaking to anybody, but listen, speak to things. Jesus spoke to trees. He spoke to mountains. He spoke yes. to demons and atmospheres that you could not see, but they were there and they made themselves evident by leaving and loosing. And the people that couldn't walk began to walk. That people that couldn't talk began to talk. And you didn't see anybody leaving, close the door, but that spirit left the room. Amen. I thank God that in your life, you're being free. Yes. From every chain. Yes. From every demonic assignment. Yes. Sent to you on assignment from the devil mm. to keep you bound, mm. locked down, mm. poverty stricken, mm. an unwillingness to move forward, mm. a, a, a level of consciousness that doesn't give you the confidence you need to do all you know you need to do in your position. Father, I thank you, thank you Father. that we're overcoming. Yes. Thank you for this divine development. Yes. Thank you, oh God, in Jesus' name for the training, the skill set that you're giving us on how to combat and to do the specific warfare that guarantees victory. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm telling somebody your victory is already guaranteed. Amen. I'm telling you your victory is guaranteed. Amen. All you got to do is get up and fight. Fight. 
your victory is guaranteed. Grab your weapon yeah. and fight. Yes. That word that speaks directly against what the devil is trying to do in your family, in your life, in your body. For a long time, he's mm. been there hindering you, distracting you like a gnat just, just bothering you, frustrating you. I thank you now that you're beginning to learn to take authority over the devil, not because of how good you live, but because you trust the finished work of Jesus and who you yes. are, your identity yes. in Christ. Yes. Yes. God you. is doing it for you. And I know I'm talking to people who've done this and you can see your life changing, things turning around in your life. I know you're listening. Yes. I know you're listening. There's certain things that are trying to take and use and show you the control it has over you. But I tell you, God is releasing you from that thing that thought that you've been subject to it for years and there was no way you could break free. I thank God for deliverance from alcohol spirits. Yes, thank I thank God. God for deliverance from things you're doing and you know that it's killing you. I thank, thank God, God from sexual addictions in the name of Jesus. Name I thank Jesus. God for deliverance right now for every home, every family that's struggling, yes. that's struggling Thank with strongholds that they cannot even identify. Lord, I pray that you would unlock and open their minds, yes. that they would receive the deliverance, that they would step out the door that's been opened. Yes, Father. We thank you, Father thank God, you, Father. for this guaranteed victory. Yes. We thank you for this thank deliverance, you. this indwelling of your spirit, your presence in our lives. We don't take it lightly. We'll begin to speak now yes. those things that are not as though they were. I am healed. Yes. I am free. My family is free. We are delivered. There's no curse, no chains no, that are holding us. But yes. we are the blessed, righteous yes. people of God. Only blessing and favor are upon us. Amen. We thank you in Jesus' name, oh God, for breaking that curse, that spirit, yes. that affliction off yes. of our lives and the lives of our families. Thank we thank you, oh God, for effective ministry that will stand and do warfare yes. in the spirit. Yes. In the name of Jesus, we'll stand on your truth and we will not take down. Thank you, Thank you for this strength, Thank the gift of the Holy God. Ghost. The yes. gift of life, yes. the cleansing power of your blood. Yes. We thank you, oh God, in the name, of, the name Jesus, of Jesus. We praise you yes. and we thank you, Father. Amen. 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 I pray Amen. that you've been blessed today and right where you are, as I always tell you, yes. you ought to give God praise. Let the atmosphere around you right now hear you praise God. Yes. Let your house hear victory, Thank the sound of victory. Yes. Amen. I know Amen. you've been delivered. I know that you're free. You can wipe the tears from your eyes. Go ahead on and give God the glory because this work yes. is already done. You got to yes. faith your way into it. You got to speak it into your life and know that you are more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror. In, Christ in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And he's Amen. met all of your need according to his riches. Yes. Amen. Amen. You're using his bank card. And I thank you, God, that it is never exhausted. Yes. Everything you've ever needed, God has already provided for you. Amen. amen. Can amen. you just say amen this amen. morning to those words? Amen. Speak in agreement. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Glory to God. Just speak in agreement to what God is speaking into your life right Amen. now. It's all right to give God Amen. praise. Amen. All Jesus. Glory. If you praise him when you're in the building, you ought to praise him right now. It ought to come out of your spirit, from your heart. Hallelujah. You just praise him and know that you have a guaranteed victory. You are guaranteed yes, victory. Thank you for it. You, you're guaranteed victory. Glory. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Man, thank you. All of those who have dealt with surgical procedures, those who have been dealing with any mild infirmity at all, I thank God for your healing right now. I thank God thank that God. things Amen. are changing, things are turning around for you, that God is ushering you, ushering you into a place and a state of healing, total deliverance. And you've got to receive all of that. Even if you feel the pain, you still have to declare the truths of God's word. Amen. We thank God for what he's doing in our ministry and in our lives right now. In Jesus' name. Bless you, people of God. I love you. Be safe. Amen. For your holidays coming up, don't get careless and, and uh, let your guard down and expose yourselves to something in the invisible that could prove to be um, uh, dangerous to you. Amen. What you don't see or sense with your body, your natural faculties, know that they are still there. Amen. So we're going to give God the honor and the praise for all of you this morning, thanking God for all of you and the work that you do. Know that every single one of you are important and needed in the body of Christ to do the work of God. Amen. So I thank God for you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.